Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. You like that Avengers intro? I love the Avengers music. It always, uh, the MCU Avengers always gets me hyped and get goosebumps every time I hear it. Bring me Thanos! Hey, I the nine tonight. Oh, excuse me. It's the Marvel Hacks presented by Brothers Comics, where we go over all kinds of uh, Marvel news and notes, and even some DC stuff over the course of the week. Uh, this is season five, episode three on the line tonight. We have uh, my two favorite Marvel hacks on the line tonight. It's the Sandman. Sandman, say what's happening. Did you well, people? I'm still in front for one more week, and I'm enjoying just a couple more days, man. Yep, the affirmative action does kick in next week. Also on the line tonight uh, is Brother Beavis. Brother Beavis, say what's happening. Hey, greetings from the back of the bus. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you get to move up here soon enough, though. But yeah, man, we're just, um, we're on a regular bail schedule. I know people are going to be like, man, they have really recorded very consistently here this past few, this month, really. This is our third episode in three weeks. We haven't taken our usual month-long hiatuses, as that's a word. Uh, so yeah, we got a, a lot going on. Uh, five books tonight. Um, uh, we got Blurred Notes back tonight, too. There's a couple of funny ones in there that I can't wait to throw at the fellas. And then we open it up a little bit to some listeners here. So we're going to answer a couple of listeners' questions before we get into blurb notes. Uh, so that first question was from Mr. ML Smith on Twitter. Hey, man, what's happening? This actually went out on our um, on our text chat. Uh, it's the War of the Realms uh, event that's coming up that Marvel's putting out. And his, thought, his question to us was... Um, what are our thoughts on it? Uh, I think I was very clear on our text chain that I have zero desire to, I know we're going to have to, <laughs> have zero desire to read that shit in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's just not for me. Um, it's just not for me. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a hard pass for me, but I know we'll have to review it for the show. So, uh, around the horn there. Uh, Sandman, you were actually excited about it, so or maybe not excited, but you were actually well, in for it. So, what about War of the Rail? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, um, I'm familiar with it because this is a kind of a continuation of, from the Thor book of um, a war that was going on between now the Ten Realms. There was a Tenth Realm now, but not nine anymore. And uh, th that storyline is now kind of feeding into this, I guess, Marvel uh, Cross Books event, which, ugh, already I'm like, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes. But uh, I'll have, like, limited um, interest in just kind of what direction they're going to take it into, but... You know, these things always can devolve into a, just a, a bunch of craziness. So I'm uh, keeping my shields up on this one. I'm going to be reserved. I'll check it out, but yeah, expectations. Yeah, this, the solicits I saw as I was rolling through it, it was like, oh, and the Squirrel Girl talk, uh, crossover. I'm like, yep, we're now to this one here. Brother Beavis, uh, War of the Rams. <laughs> well, I'm... Uh... I'm a big, I really enjoy reading and learning about Norse mythology outside of Marvel, you know, outside of the Marvel stories, which I do like a lot of the Thor stuff and like that. So I'm always sort of intrigued to go into that realm, particularly when they like adapt any semblance of stories that actually come from the mythology. But I have found over the years, usually those stories in the comics end up not being very good. Um, I know like the X-Men dabbled with... Uh, those sorts of crossovers for a while and various people have it always seems like a better idea than i think it comes out as um and i think with my current bias against these crossovers particularly on a large scale particularly with any suggestion that something is going to be the same or different on the other end i'm just so jaded at this point it's hard to get worked up 
Yeah, it, that, and that is a part of it, too. You're going to go through this whole thing, all these side angle sides, to quote Hutch, comics or whatever. And then at the end, it'll be like, meh, you know, all right, thank you for watching. Uh, but there's really no significance or changes to the universe. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I, that just does nothing for me. I, 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 that does nothing for me. All right. Uh, listener Bison for Life, uh, he sent out, he had two questions. Uh, one, and I think I'm the only one that read, he asked if I, if I was, or if we were still in on Shuri's comic book. Uh, did you get a chance, anybody got a chance to read that besides me? I wrote a review on Brothers Comic. I did. I have not read it. Okay. Um, I did. I read, I think, every issue up to maybe, let's say, for the last one. Uh, I mean, it was fi it's fine enough. I think the biggest issue, and I think I put this out there, is that the art doesn't match the tone of the book. The art is very much, and y'all know I'm quite familiar with this, is that it's very Archie-esque. Um, and, yeah, not in a bad way. You know, it's very Dan okay. Slott. It's very Archie, but it doesn't match the tone of the book. And so it's kind of, like, weird in that sense. But, I mean, the story is fine enough. You know, I mean, it's, it, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't think that it's terrible or anything like that, but it's not any world-changing event or whatever. It's just a continuation of, hey, that character was popular in the movie and people like it. Let's make a book. You know, it'll mask probably six more, you know, six issues. I think they're on issue four now. It'll probably get to six to eight, and then it'll just be gone like, you know, most other, like, kind of books of its like. So, uh, his second question was, he was like, what is our thoughts on Ta-Nehisi Coates on Captain America? Now, that's a book that we reviewed the hell out of in season four uh, that we were all in on. Like, I mean, absolutely, that book is great. Uh, and I've made mention here that I'm... I'm much happier with Coates on Captain America than I am with him on Black Panther. So, I mean, around the table, uh, Brother Beavis, Ta-Nehisi Coates on Captain America. Yeah, I thought the the only the only thing that I think bothered me about it was it seemed like it was on a it was on such an interesting direction when they when they relaunched. I think that you know they they took away. I think it was a good story in that they took Cap. They took away a lot of his sort of. You know, they delegitimized him in a way, and that was all a plot, anti-government. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was it was a story that, as we as we read it, played out. Um, I think I wasn't crazy about the art they paired him with, but um, mm. it was all right. But yeah, the, I think I think the one weakness I had it was it, it was a little too Black Panther centric for me. Mm. Only, and I and I say that because like that makes it a little bit less of a stretch. And if it's it's supposed to be something new, let it be new rather than sort of reaching back. And sort of having that crutch there. Yeah, they did the crossover very quickly. I think issue three, we had, you know, Black Panther was in like two of the first four issues or whatever. Uh, Lanil Francis Yu, I think, is the artist on that book. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure when it comes back out, we'll probably, you know, because that first story arc hasn't concluded itself, you know, with Celine and, uh, well, essentially the Red Skull, spoiler alert. Um, so we haven't finished that part of it yet, but we'll probably finish out that first story arc. Uh, Sandman, uh, Captain America, and Ta-Nehisi Coates. Yeah, um, correct me if I'm wrong. That that was he in charge of the the invasion one where Cap was in the future, or is that no? Uh, that was Mark Wade. Was that another one? That was Mark Wade. Yeah, that was Wade. Um, mm -hmm. Which which ones were uh, was uh, uh, this storyline was he? Ta-Nehisi Coates is the one where it started where uh, Celine and some other lady had come Celine back uh, to. Um, uh, to, to, to get Cap, essentially, and, you know, they had gotten to Wakanda. He had brought in Black Panther to kind of help him out with this whole new thing. Sharon Carter got captured right. by this by Celine, and they were trying to kill her. 
Um, I mean, it's it's yeah. Uh, there was what are those what are those face what are those American flag dudes called, Brother Beavis? Uh, Nuke. Oh uh, yeah, 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 Duke Nukem. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and those guys. Right. You know, it was yeah. tied. It was very much tied into like a lot of essentially Trumpisms or whatever in the United States mm-hmm. and drawing those parallels. It's you know, it was. I mean, I, like I said, I've enjoyed that book. Right, right. Yeah, I and um, he had some interesting things about it. Like, yeah, he's not afraid to uh, bring in real uh, world issues into the books and stuff, which is, you know, a lot of people don't like that. You know, I'm fine with it as long as you know it uh, relative to the story and you know maybe he says something. Um, and I didn't care for him much on the the Black Panther run he had. Some people love it. It was fine. Uh, it was a little, I don't know. It just didn't hold me. Um, I do like, like I said, some of the uh, directions he was going in with this, so I'm fine with uh, uh, reading more of it. Um, I'm really curious, like Celine, an uh, X-Men villain, how they're going to bring her into uh, Captain America and stuff. It seems kind of out of left field, and kind of out of a um, very non-traditional Captain America villain, but um, I would stick with it for a while to see what uh, they're going to do with it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's been fine enough. I had no issues with that book. Uh, again, I've said this on this podcast and other people's podcasts, too. Tom House, the coach on Black Panther, he did a great job of world building and building this idea of Wakanda and all the issues that go on with being the king of Wakanda. But he forgot this is a fucking superhero book, too. Like, can yeah. I get some villains and some fighting and some, like, <laughs> some other costume people? Because, man, this yeah. is... There's a lot of exposition on, like, you know, politics in the world or whatever without some, you know, some yeah. superhero costumes. But, um, exactly. yeah, it's fine. People told me it got better after a while, but I couldn't do it anymore. It kind of knocked me out. All right. Uh, the last question is from Biffs at Biffsticks. Uh, <laughs> uh, this came up, too, I think, on the last podcast. I think we had asked. He was like, um, what about trying to get Falcon a new book? And I think I brought it up last week that Falcon has been on a milk carton. Um, since that <laughs> terrible freaking uh, Falcon book, which we also reviewed, you can go back to the archives and found it. I think the title of the podcast is Falcon is Terrible, uh, as they took, uh, I think, Rodney Barnes, a non-comic book writer, and gave him that book. Uh, what is that line? I was like, I'm going to be down like a, a fat cheese, a, a, a fat oh, rat in a cheese factory. Oh, my God. Oh, it was it, it was, was awful. It was God, horrible. it was so terrible. Like, yes. It was like he had a book of cliches he was reading from, you know, black cliches yeah. and stuff to put in. Yeah. It, it was terrible. It was awful. And after the Nick Spencer run of him as, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America, and then he had this book. And then, he, like I said, he's been gone, gone. Like, I mean, I haven't seen Falcon in anything recently. So he's completely milk cartoned. Because his question was, can you think of anybody who could maybe revive Falcon as a character, as a as a, a writer or something, or even is Falcon even necessary? Like, does he need? I mean, I don't think Falcon needs a solo book. He's a total team character. No. You know, yeah. Is there anybody, brother Beavis, you could think that could breathe life into Falcon? Well, I think it's tough because I mean, you're starting with like, yes, he's a, you know, he's a character with a lot of legacy, but you're starting from such a weak power base that to build him up you make him not the person he was before and so they've tried to tell stories with him grafted on to whether Captain America or whatever you know he's been you know fighting you know still sticking at the street level crime all the way up to the Avengers so I think they just you know it was it was I think obvious to start with him as a character but then 
Um, I just don't think there was enough to build on there, and you know, it's the it's the problem Marvel has. You, it's hard for them to introduce a completely new character, but when you're trying to bring up, uh, you know, when you're trying to transition some, you know, some of the more marginal characters, particularly the minority characters from the past, it's just tough because they were they were not treated well up to that point, and you have to do so much work to get them over. I, I just think it's hard. Um, yeah. I think there's just not enough with him to build on. Yeah, and you know, they've already played with his history a little bit to kind of tie it to the MCU version as well, which again, it might not necessarily be a terrible thing, but you know, you're right. He, they buried him for so long. And, you know, again, Nick Spencer brought him up to, you know, he got him probably to a three plus, almost a four on his wrestling card. And, you know, he was up there. And then they turned it over to another dude and he just buried him completely and he's jobbing out to the Mulkey brothers. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is there anybody that you could think of, Sandman, writer in particular, uh, that could, you know, that could maybe bring Falcon back or just bring him back to the Avengers and that be the end of it? I don't know. It's like you always, you guys already kind of hit on it. He's a um, secondary character he's a captain america you know assistant basically and he he's maybe not even the most interesting one which is a problem because you know winter soldier it's more interesting yeah. than him, in my opinion um and that's really a problem um i mean as long as you have an interesting story to tell you can always kind of rejuvenate somebody yeah. but it's uh, anybody could do it you know it's just it doesn't have to be you know a, a famous storyteller a famous uh, writer or anything Anybody could do it. It's just, you know, it's it's a challenge. This is a secondary, almost tertiary character. And, yes, the MCU version of him has brought, uh, breathed some life into that character. But, um, you know, as a continuing book, I don't, I just, it's hard, man. I don't know how you do it. It's not impossible. Yeah, you bring up the man. Winter Soldier. Like, their chemistry in the movies is great. I, I think I would right. read a Falcon and Winter Soldier book longer right. than yeah. I would read either a Falcon or a Winter Soldier book. You know, and that's it, and and that's a rumored alleged show on the Disney Plus Marvel Channel or whatever. You know that they were going to put well, them together fine. in the show. Yeah, that's a good place and, to put and, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Good. And and again, does that need? But that does that does that need a corresponding comic book? Absolutely not. Like we don't need the comic book. Let's just play it out. You know, in eight to ten episodes or whatever it is on the Disney Channel or whatever, and that's it. Like I just, I just. I don't know if you're going to, like, taking Falcon and putting him in something just because it's like, hey, we got this black character over here that we kind of buried and we don't know what to do with him now, so let's put him, you know, he was uh, helping with the champions for a little while. Even the champions dissed him and pushed him out. I'm like, the fuck, man? Mm -hmm. Falcon is just nowhere at this point. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Falcon's going to make it back to the world of the, of the uh, active heroes or whatever for a while. Okay. All right. Let's get into thanks for the questions, fellas. All right, let's get into blurred notes. Uh, hold on, yeah, let me hit for my music. About our opinion. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we do, right. yeah we, do, we do have some opinions. That's it. All right, hit me. Let me hit my music. Blurred notes. Blurred notes. All right, so the blurred, blurred notes. Notes. Brings us blurred in. notes. Uh, we'll spell out the word blurred. 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 Uh, the guys don't know the topics. Uh, I just give it to them by letter. This one also the letter B is for battle. This started in the text chain yesterday. And again, if you're a long-time listener of the show, we text a lot uh, to kind of talk about other topics or things that make it on the show. A B is for battle. All right. Was the Thundercats any good? Um, this is the battle here. Uh, because there was a debate on if the show was actually any good or not as the Thundercats celebrate their, I think, 34th anniversary yesterday. 
as it premiered 34 years ago. Um, I think most people know the Thundercats now really primarily for the logo. Uh, I know a lot of people that wear the logo for the shirt probably didn't even watch the damn show. Or they watched the little kids version that they put out that was uh, widely ridiculed. It would be the kindest thing that I could say uh, a couple of years ago. So, Brother Beavis, you are a Thundercats fan. I am not. Uh, so, give your soliloquy, I guess, about defending the Thundercats. Yeah, I, I don't know if the degree to which I can defend them. That's one of those things <laughs> that I probably made the mistake of going back and revisiting, and if I had just stuck with my childhood memories, I would have probably been <laughs> up here screaming on the table. Um, yeah. It's really not that good. And one of the reasons is um, the villains, outside of, like, even though he always loses Mumra, I mean, Mumra is a great design. His transformation is the best. Uh, yeah. But he sucks. He gets beat yeah. all the time, and he has terrible <laughs> ideas. Everybody else they fought was just awful. And then, like it's you know, so the first like season is 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 bad enough in its own right. I think the designs are great, the backstory is great, the sound is awesome, the logo is awesome. There's a lot of great visuals, but the stories just are terrible. And then once it became even more of a of a advertisement for toys when they brought in the new thundercats and even worse mm-hmm. villains it is yeah. unwatchable, unwatchable. <laughs> and they put a scrappy do on there like yeah they I like Snarf just because it's fun to do the voice and he's dumb mm-hmm. and all that but they put mm-hmm. like his little cousin snarfer on there or nephew or some yeah. shit like that that's yeah. just that's the cardinal sin you cannot yep. do that you cannot put like a parody of your parody character on and expect it to turn out well cousin oliver um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, again, I I watched it. It was on and around the time of Voltron or whatever, so I watched it. But again, most of the parts that I remember about it are snarf, 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 and thunder, thunder, thundercats, ho. And the fact that Scatman Crothers was, or no, not Scatman Crothers, that was that the father of a uh, uh, Cliff Huxtable was the voice of the uh, Panthro. Panthro oh, was the that's right. Yeah, Cliff's dad from the Cosby Show, or whatever. But beyond that. Ah, yeah, it, it just wasn't for me. It looks great. Like, when you go back and look at it, like, that art was streets ahead. Uh, quote from a different show. The art was streets ahead, but the the rest of it is just not very good at all. So, sad man, you're not a fan or you didn't even watch it? Uh, I watched it. I mean, this is a – what uh, year is this? We're talking about mid, mid to early 80s. Is that right? 84. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, 84, right in that area. Okay, so, I mean, if it was animated, I was watching it back then. I didn't care what it was. And um, it has, 85, like you, you already, 85. 85, sorry. yeah, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm a junior in high school at that time, just to date the hell out of myself. Um, it's, you already hit on it, the, the artwork is great. That was one of the things that I uh, uh, kept attracting me to it, because it looks amazing. And uh, the storyline, of course, is what I was kind of like, eh, this is kind of stupid. <laughs> Some of the stuff. Uh, and the Snarf, yeah. I had almost forgotten about Snarf until you just mentioned it. And that <laughs> turned me off immediately when I probably <laughs> thought about it again. Uh, I was like, oh, that's right. Fucking Snarf. And do y'all remember them bears and burble, burble bears? And oh, the hell God. Yeah, yeah. Jesus oh, Christ. God. I saw that episode and I was like, I'm not <laughs> I am officially out. I'm going back to Transformers yeah. where I belong. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, 
it's good and it's not good. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. How, I don't know what to say about it. It's, I, I think it's brother, fine. I think yeah, yeah. I think what Brother Reeves was saying is that you know, like, okay, you watched it or whatever when we were that age, and it made sense because we didn't really have much to judge it against. You know, it was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this or Scooby Doo. Like, this is much better than Scooby Doo. But when you look at it later, you know, it's just like, man, this is like unwatchable almost. I mean, I feel the same way about Voltron. Like, I go back and watch that. I'm like, man, I don't know about all this. I can't believe I spent a whole lot of time watching I can't even really watch the this. new Voltron. Like, I try, yeah, exactly. but it's just, I'm like, it's so, yeah. I'm like, I can't I don't have time for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and again, something that we just talked about before we started recording was like, man, you know what? So we have to have these conversations with ourselves. Like, hey, man, this ain't made for us. You know, like, we could watch it still or whatever, but it, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. geared towards us. And, you know, uh, coming to acceptance of that, you know, it, it's, you know, not killing our childhood or whatever, but it's just like, okay, I need to watch this through a different set of eyes. Like, if I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old, would I be hyped to watch this, you know, as opposed to not being 12 or 13? But, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think Thundercats is way overrated. Um, it just, it is what it was. Okay. All right. L is for Little Man. Is then put that shit in my hand. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob are getting a reboot. Uh, I saw today that it got actually picked up by a distributor. I think Universal and Saban Films are going to actually pick it up. Uh, from, I guess, a year plus ago now, I went to I was at Tampa Bay Megacon. Shout out to the Tampa Bay Megacon people. Um, and I saw Jay and Silent Bob, and they saw them do their podcast from there. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Yada, yada, yada. That show is a, a, a way for... Je- or for Kevin Smith to try to keep Jay straight from going back, you know, to not going back to drugs or whatever. <laughs> and once he got to a certain point, once he got to a certain point, he said, hey, all right, once you're clean for however many times and years or whatever, we'll do a Jay inside a Bob movie or whatever as a reward. So yada, yada, yada. They started filming on this movie or whatever. I'm a huge fan of the original Jersey Trilogy plus one with um, the Jay inside Bob strike back. I have literally no desire to see a frame of this movie brother beavis <laughs> well are you excited you know i I'm, i can't say i'm excited but i will say that i have gone into movies of his that i was not looking forward to and enjoyed like uh clerks 2 i was like this is bullshit and I went in, like, we were like, somebody called and made a spontaneous plans to go, and we were trying to get there on time. So I wasn't thinking about it at all, and I just, like, basically sat down right as the movie started rolling, and I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. So as much as I, I can't say, like, I'm excited about it, but it could be good, um, and I'm not going to hate it just on principle. Okay. The plot of the movie is the original Jay Silent Bob plot. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it was that that they. I was gonna say they went out. You, you're gonna tip me over. You might you might send me into Hater Town if you. I'm not trying to. The original plot was that they went out to Hollywood to stop a film that was being made about them, and yeah. I think the reboot was. I think I read the reboot is that they're gonna stop. Uh, they're going to go out to stop a reboot of a re- the reboot of the film about them. Whatever. I mean, it'll be <laughs> it'll. The premise is fine. I'm sure there'll be tons of cameos or whatever. Like I get the appeal, and I get, and again, this is made for us. We just talk a whole fucking segment about stuff that's not made for us. This is literally made for us. This is two 40 plus year old men talking about comic books and culture and all the shit that we're used to knowing about. And I just I cannot 
I cannot feel excited about this for whatever reason. I did not enjoy Clerks 2. I certainly didn't enjoy Max and Murney make a porno or whatever. I haven't seen any oh, of the other God. shit that he's done mm. since then. So I just I just can't I don't know, like I just I just can't get excited about it. Sandman, are you excited? Uh, in a word, no. Um, look, I'm a fan of Kevin Smith, of his podcasts and stuff. He's great to listen to like, on shows, podcasts, or whatever have you. He's, um, in my opinion, almost a genius on him. He's very entertaining. But it, I just don't think his ability transfers to a movie director. His movies are insane. I just can't get into them, man. I've seen or tried to watch one or two of them, and it's just, I can't finish them. It's just not there. I know he has his fans, and the good for you. I'm just not into it. So no is the is the answer. No, yeah. I just can't do it. Okay. Yeah. I just I don't know. I, I'm I'm a huge fan, especially again of the the Jersey trilogy plus one. But I just I can't. I was telling the yeah. spouse about this the other day, and she was just like, "Nah." It's <laughs> so like, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. You know, and so, yeah, it, it'll be what it'll be. Now, I say all of this. Will I go and see it? Like, when it's like, oh, you know what? It's going to be playing at the Cineplex at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. Am I going to go and see it? Probably. But I'm just saying I'm not getting hyper excited about it. That's it. All right. Uh, e. Uh, e is for Expected. Uh, this was expected. Uh, looks like the new Mutants movie is going to be delayed again, and it's possibly going to be released uh, strict, straight to Hulu. Uh, no widescreen release, so uh, Arya Stark playing whoever the hell she was playing. Was she Wolfsbane? Uh, yeah. Whatever the hell it was going to be. Uh, the New Mutants kind of suck anyway. A New Mutants movie was going <laughs> to suck anyway. Uh, I don't have Hulu anyway, so I wasn't going to see it. I, I, there's literally no desire. Sandman, this is this was to be expected. Yeah, this is this goes under the uh, list of, well, we need to hold on to the license, so we got to do something with it. And we've done a whole bunch of X-Men movies, and most of them kind of suck now, too. So we need to do something. <laughs> and um, yeah. I think, and they've, there's all kind of turmoil behind that thing. The director did one thing and now like was it Simon Kinberg who uh, has been involved with the X-Men forever and uh, actually directed Dark Phoenix which is a whole other story I'm sure we're going to get to uh, he came in and objected to what they did and it's all he, he didn't like it and they're trying to do reshoots yeah that thing's a mess I don't think it's ever going to be released it's probably going to be released on a not on the movie theater I mean at least uh it's going to be something like Hulu or Netflix or maybe it end up on one of Disney's freaking uh, streaming services or something like that once they take over. Mm. I have no desire to see it. I never really cared in the first place. So, fine Yeah, I think after Logan made all a nut of money and then they were like, oh, well, let's take a story that, you know, is kind of... They tried to take, I think, and use the characters and do, you know, kind of like a Riverdale and turn it into like a horror movie, just using the names of the mm. characters loosely based on the comic book. And now... You got this thing, Brother Beavis, that nobody even knows what the hell it is anymore. It's just floating out there. Yeah. I've, you know, I've tried to get into the New Mutants comic, and it's it's just not good. Um, I, I, there are characters in it I like, but as a whole, I don't I don't think it's great. Now, looking at some of the... I mean, the casting looks like it's good. I think, I think it's an interesting to, um, you know, to take a superhero movie, or movie into the horror genre... And I think the Demon Bear story is a vehicle to do that. Um, I don't know that it wouldn't have been a fine movie going into it without a bias against the New Mutants. 
Um, but, you know, it's not really coming from a source that's known for making good movies. So um, mm. I'm not crushed. Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, yeah, mm-hmm. again, it's to be expected. Uh, I said, you know, side brother topic or whatever, I sent y'all that picture of the Dark Phoenix movie yesterday through the text chain. <laughs> we were like, what oh, in God. the entire world is this? Uh, there's Beast, <laughs> looks like uh, Magneto in a wheelchair. Uh, some lady with purple <laughs> hair, like nobody know who the hell that is. Psylocke, maybe, or somebody, I don't know. Maybe, Psylocke, Storm still looking ridiculous, and Nightcrawler was really the only person that you were like, oh yeah, there's Nightcrawler, and then there was some brother in the back, man, like I said, text y'all, somebody Slip said, look like Slipknot from Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah. yeah, I laughed for, I laughed for two <laughs> hours, man. Yeah, he uh, does just, look like him, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, but he's got like, but he didn't have the M on his face, so it couldn't have been Bishop, in theory. And no, but then he did have like sort of cornrow. I don't know, man. It's just fucked up. I don't that, know who that, that is. I don't know. Yeah, they need to put that on Hulu too and just let it go. Uh, again, every <laughs> every review I see, even people that have seen it, they're just like, this is terrible, terrible. So uh, just let it die. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, R R is for retired. It came out this week that artist extraordinaire George Perez has uh, retired. He's going to retire from drawing and. From comics, uh, some health-related issues. Um, so yeah, uh, George Perez. Uh, what a! I'm gonna say this, and I, and I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. I once I, I was able to meet him actually in South Carolina Comic Con, but that's the best part of it. But the second part of it, for somebody who draws as well as he does, he's actually still underrated because there's nobody, and I repeat, nobody who draws better large groups of characters and with yeah. so much detail that you can't you can still just like their faces don't like change or whatever he's able to draw like a group of 60 characters he's the only person that can draw that many characters and still keep like the facial recognition completely individual for each individual character that they don't blend in uh so just kind of any george perez series or anything that you remember him drawing the most uh uh sandwich yeah, George Perez, his artwork was one of the main reasons I started up with the Noon T Titans in the first place. Yeah. The um, the version of Robin, um, um, basically the uh, the version that um, uh, the show is based on, without Kid Flash and Wonder Girl. All those all those uh, characters are in came from his version of it. Him and uh, I think it's Marvel yeah. Wolfman. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, was the writer and he was the artist uh, they had um, two different uh, volumes I think at least for a while that uh, George Perez started on the second one and he handed it off to someone else I collected every one of those uh, issues of the original series I was a huge fan of uh, New Teen Titans I really liked it and uh, and it was because of uh, the story and because of George's art I mean the dude your, what you said about the uh, him drawing groups, <laughs> that's his specialty. I mean, he is amazing at it. Not just, uh, he's done it with DC, he's done it with Marvel, uh, uh, one of the Justice League versus Avengers books, I think uh, he did. And um, the artwork in that thing is amazing. Uh, the characters, like you said, he is a master of detail. And um, yeah, that's a, that strikes a deep chord in me that he's actually retiring now because he's definitely one of my, probably my top five favorite artists. Yeah, he's uh, he's great, and I, I met him in South Carolina. He couldn't have been any nicer. Um, I was trying to get an interview with him, and he was okay with it. But the line of people wanting to meet him and to have people do um, 
to draw, you know, he wanted to, you know, to do commissions. It was just ridiculous. He's like, I love to do it, brother. But, you know, uh, you know, it's just like whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, that's like a, you know, I meant. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. That was one of those things. Like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is George freaking Perret, you know. And yeah. He's yeah so, yeah. yeah. He's great. Um, brother Beavis, any George Perret series or anything that you remember? Uh, I would say that, you know, as much as like, uh, different looks and and costumes change or you know people have their own takes on them i think there's just a laundry list of characters that if you if you try and picture the iconic um the classic iconic look of any character marvel dc you're you're almost picturing a george perez image in your mind because he just he he's like he didn't create all these things but the way he laid down uh the imaging i mean he's He's definitely one of the modern, more modern um, artists, uh, like sort of, of maybe the, I don't know, the, the second generation of great artists in Marvel, or I don't know exactly where he falls in timeline-wise, but, you know, I remember when he started uh, Infinity Gauntlet, and they changed Midstream to, I think, Ron Lim, and I like his art, but it's just so completely different, the, the right. difference in the realism and the detail, and um, right. It just just such a stark difference, and then I also remember when um, they did a relaunch uh, back when relaunches were not a daily event of like the fourth edition Avengers, which was mm-hmm. really coming out of that period where um, I think usually the producer refers to as a pretty bad era where you didn't know anybody and nobody read yeah. it. They did a relaunch mm-hmm. where they brought in a lot of the classic characters again and really kind of started that title back up again. And there again, he had, you know, it was everyone who'd been an Avenger. And it's not like a lot of these books where you see just people half drawn in the background. You're like, who is that? Is that Mockingbird? No. It's every level of detail, every inch of that page. There's something Mm -hmm. meaningful going on. And, and, I mean, there's nobody really else you point to that, that, that does, you know, that has that ability to draw at that scale. And if they were doing, you know, if George Perez was drawing the crossovers that we routinely destroy on this podcast, you know, the scope and scale of them, they'd probably be good. Um, yeah. But it just, you know, it's just they're big for big sake, and and the art the art teams aren't pulling it off the way he would have. Yeah, yeah, we'd still shit on it, but we'd be like, man, but the art was fucking incredible. You know, I mean, think about, <laughs> you know, think about, think about Avengers versus uh, Justice League or whatever. Like, it was a terrible story. But the freaking art was incredible, you know. It because, was amazing. You know, That's just, why I was watching. Yeah, That's why I because read, it's yeah. like holy shit. Like you know, I mean, this is incredible because he did the art on it. But for the most part, you know, the story was, you know, butt cheeks. But like, yeah, it's just. Yeah, that's that one. You know, I mean, you know, Godspeed for him or whatever and whatever health issues that he's dealing with. But the fact that he's pulling away from it that really sucks. You know, hopefully he'll still go to cons and maybe meet the folks and whatever and shake hands and sign but whatever. But. Uh, that the comic world isn't any better with George Perez not in it. So, all right, all right. Uh, that was our letter D is DC. Uh, DC did about a three percent layoff of its workforce. I was reading an article uh, a little earlier today. Essentially, that they're just trying to streamline everything to make sure that the publishing part of it um, is uh, the key component. You know, they had distribution issues or whatever. The toy line was getting kind of out of control. So they wanted to make sure that the distribution for comics and publishing was the main focus, which, well, duh, your DC fucking comics. You know, let's make that the important thing. That does make the most sense or whatever. Um, 
the conspiracy theorists and a lot of people are saying, you know, now that I think it's Dan Dido and Jim Lee are the kind of the heads of that that thing, uh, the DC publishing part. So that you know, they lopped off some people whose salaries were a little bit too high, and the fact that they brought Bendis in on that exclusive contract is costing them a lot of money. So that costed some cost some people their jobs. Um, hmm. uh, Sandman, I know that you pay attention to that kind of stuff, you know, fairly regularly. Anything else that you yeah. hear about DC laying off? I had heard, and this is a rumor, uh, that the uh, bomb that Justice League caused and lost all that money for them because of the reshoots, like almost doubled the uh, budget for them, and that was uh, a possible um, um, reason that some of these layoffs happened too. And um, yeah, there was a um, I saw that the other day, so which I wouldn't doubt because man, that thing was a <laughs> it just did not make it made money, but it lost a lot of money. <laughs> at the it's same time mess. that budget got ridiculous and so yeah which I could easily see and yeah like you said that um, um, bringing in um, uh, Bendis <laughs> he ain't cheap so uh, no. yeah that, I, could see, I, I could see that easily uh, costed some people their jobs which is sad because I mean we don't have any hatred for DC at all obviously we just kind of tend towards Marvel a little more but yeah yeah, you never want to see anybody lose their jobs. That does suck. Yeah, that yeah, it, it is what it is. But again, if that's going to help with their distribution in terms of turning their focus primarily to the comics, I'm all for it. Did you hear anything about the story, Brother Reeves? No, I didn't. But, I mean, it's a story you're hearing a lot of places. I mean, people are realizing that, you know, you 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 have to, if you manage to the bottom line, eventually you got to make changes. And I, I think, I don't know, all the, all the, all the ways in which the comic industry itself has changed over the years, but I can't imagine there's really a whole lot of money in it anymore. And if no. you know, I, if they're making changes on the comic side to compensate for things happening on the movie side, I have to feel like that revenue stream just dwarfs comics in general. So yeah. I think it's probably just new leadership and and trying to get things right. Um, I, I think if you know if if they're making a bet on some big names to turn things around, then, you know, those, in theory, those people have to make some decisions. So who knows? It could just be it, simple economics. It could be uh, something else. Yeah, it's, it's, hmm. it's interesting that that the comics part that drives the movie part has flipped around. And we talked about this before, about now the movies are driving the comic books. And I don't know if that's necessarily a great idea, generally speaking, um, because they're, you know, related but not and um sometimes uh movie people don't know have any fucking clue about the comic book part and that just plays itself out very much so in the movies um but okay yeah that's just it well it's like the all music right. industry like all the money yeah. is in concerts now and yeah nobody correct. buys any cds I mean, right it's just, yeah exactly it's just something that's it's another industry that's completely flipped and people are going to yeah. have to figure it out because if you keep trying yeah. to do what you did it's just going to fall apart it's just going to completely fall apart all right. I, you know, I'd rather they do what they need to do to stay alive than than sell out to Marvel and then I'll have to job on Thursday night. Um, yeah. And then hear, hear about it. So. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> Shoot. All right. Sorry about that. We need a cough button on here. All right. That's a good transition into uh, the comic books. Let's get into these damn books. And, of course, DC is first. That's day one. That's day one. All right, we got two DC books today, so that's day two. That's day two. Um, we're going to do Shazam number one, which is not a surprise because it has Shazam has a movie coming out in two months. 
And then we're going to talk about another wonder book, which was Naomi. Um, I we wanted Hutch on the call tonight. He was actually down for it, but he's sick uh, because he has a huge, vast history and knowledge of freaking Shazam because he would. And um, <laughs> uh, my, my Shazam knowledge is thimble deep. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, so uh, a Shazam number one for me, I was like, okay, that's good because I'm gonna need some history or whatever. But essentially, it's just Superman with magic. Every time I read this shit, it's this. This seems like it's just Superman, but he's got magic powers. So there's the history of Shazam at the beginning of the book. I know, Sammy, you read this as well, so jump in when you can. There was the mat and the rock, the rock of eternity, and there were seven wizards and one dark wizard, and he killed all the other wizards. And there was only one left, and then he had to send the power to somebody, and that's how Billy Bastion became like the champion of magic or whatever. And that was basically the intro of that book, and then it shifts to present day Philadelphia, where Billy lives, and he's on a field trip, and then a, a scene straight out of freaking Spider Man Homecoming. Some people in some superhero masks come in there to rob the museum. It's, what is it? Wonder Woman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the Flash. Batman, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, in the Flash, yeah. they come in with some masks to try to rob the place. He goes off in Shazams, and of course, again, he's Superman with magic powers or whatever. And so, you know, they're trying to shoot him with bullets and guns, and it's just all—it's real jokey. The art is really excellent on this, by the way. Um, but he takes out the robbers, but then the the, the other the Shazam family shows up because you can't call him Captain Marvel. Like I was going to call the Marvel family, but you can't do it. So the captain, the other Marvel family shows up with, you know, Mary Marvel and all these other people that show up that have Shazam parlays too. They're calling them the Lightning League. Uh, lots of fun. <laughs> like the uh, joke. One of the, yeah, it? yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to no, say, just, yeah, that's, they can't call them the Marvel family anymore, obviously. Uh, so it yeah. used to be, what's his name, Freddy the Blonde Kid used to be Captain Marvel Jr. She was Mary Marvel. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. the rest of them were like the Lieutenant Marvel's. Um, yeah, they, 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 they get they got a long and weird history. I've uh, got some knowledge of it, and uh, yeah, they changed okay. the origins. They used to have it used to be the Greek gods. That's what the letter, the name of Shazam uh, is. It's an acronym for uh, I can't remember. I know Zeus, Hercules is in there, Solomon, uh, and okay. it spells out Shazam. But over the years, they've toyed with it. And change that, so I don't even know if that even uh, holds up anymore. If it means anything, now it's just since they, you can't use Captain Marvel anymore as the name, they um, they just yeah, yeah, they just use Shazam, and so I don't even know like the characters what they're gonna even <laughs> they can't even use the names they used to go by anymore because uh, right. that's over with Marvel. So yeah, I, I don't know. They didn't even I don't think they even named them in this outside their civilian names because uh, Mary yeah. is just Mary. And yeah, there's, there's a joke in there. Yeah, there's a yeah. joke in there about where he's like, oh, you know, I had a naming issue or whatever. That's a throwaway line. But all those kids, they're all they're all adopted kids, and they live with this Vasquez family or whatever. And you know, it's it's like a happy, happy, joy, joy because we're all adopted and we're not you know orphans anymore. And they're eating lasagna <laughs> at the table and everybody's happy and then like, oh, we gotta go do our homework. And it's like, oh, okay, and then they go to do their homework, but it's really on some lion, the witch, and the warbird bullshit because they go to their room and open the door to the magical realm, and there's some lightweight Harry Potter shit, and there's a train, and, you know, there's this, you know, looking for the Rock of Eternity, and then they find, yeah, there's the station, it's the Harry Potter stuff, and that leads to the magic lands, there's a map and shit, 
And um, based in the book, in the book ends like there's a knock at the door, and some dude opens the door, and um, he's like, "Hey, I'm here for Billy Bastion. I'm his father, and it looks just like Shazam or whatever." And you know, cut and roll in credits or whatever. Uh, okay, um, this book was fine enough. I, it seems like I'm shitting on it or whatever, and I'm not. It, it's just you know, I, I, I don't know. It's Shazam. Shazam is corny as hell to me, like as a character. Uh, I'm, am I gonna see that movie? I, I, y'all know I love like Chuck, and, you know, and Zach Levy from Chuck or whatever. But am I gonna see this movie? Uh, mm, uh, that's probably a no because I just think the character is corny as hell. I mean, the character is so damn corny. I just can't. And I'm like surprised the way this book was written. It should have been one of the Wonder Books, like for teenagers, because that's how it was. It just wasn't, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's better. It's actually on issue two already. I didn't read it yet, but. Ah, it's not for me. Sam in. Um, I like the book fine. It's harmless. You know, it's it's kids. It has a place. They, I Good mean, it's word. kids that have, um, you know, superpowers. And, you know, that's an interesting angle to me. There's been other characters that have similar um, 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 plots to this, you know, that in the past I've read uh, that have been very interesting because, like, what would a kid do if he had the powers of a god? Sometimes, you know, that's interesting this interesting to read and that's what this is and yeah you're right about they should have uh, made this in the wonder um line um this would be prime for that kind of thing i don't know why they didn't um yeah yeah they probably yeah i mean definitely the movie's coming out so they had to get another book out there and so they rebooted it and and that's why this is here and uh yeah that train and that train station and stuff like that that's actually kind of lower back to the original Sazam at one time i know it's been in there i've seen it before and now they're just okay. making another they're changing the origin around a little bit they're monkeying with it uh changing a few things up and but that's all like from the past uh, the past versions of it so i mean it's fine mm-hmm. it's fine i did not hate it at all yeah. yeah, I'm I'm thumbs in the middle only because I just don't know that much about Shazam and that's just on me. You'd be thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, not thumbs down. Thumbs in the middle or thumbs up? I would go thumbs up. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Fine. Yeah, it's a beautifully drawn book. I mean, I, I forgot to yeah, write the artist down or whatever, but it's a beautifully drawn book. Holy cow! Lots of um, the action scenes look great. I mean, it, it's a really good, well drawn book, but. Um, just overall, I was like, man, this is really kid stuff. But, all right. Speaking of the Wonderline, like I said, that's day two. We're going to actually review Naomi. Uh, we did review Young Justice. Was it Young Justice or the New Teen Titans? Whatever the hell that was last week. So, on this Wonderline, these are these books that are the Brian Michael Bendis uh, imprint. Um, so, he's like this teenage line of books or whatever. So, Naomi is the first book. Uh, I'm going to rant first, and then I'll review the book. Okay, so the book is by Bendis and David Walker. Uh, the artist is Jamal Campbell. Okay, so this is a book about a, a teenage black girl growing up somewhere in Portland or around in Oregon somewhere of some sort. Okay, how in the world is this book not written by a black woman? This, is, this makes no fucking sense. I, I, I understand. And look, I love, man, David Walker is one of my favorite, uh, you know, uh, writers or whatever. He is great. I'm so, so on Bendis. I'm a big fan of David Walker, and I, I don't understand how, like, a black woman is not consulted on writing a book about a black teenage girl. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't. Like, I just, I'm like, oh, okay, well, Bendis created the character, and, you know, he's down with teenagers or whatever, and that's what he does. I'd say that's fine. And I guess Bendis and Walker, they live near each other. They teach at the same college or whatever in Oregon or something. Okay, fine, whatever. There should be 
somebody on this book, a some woman on this book that's a consultant for this book. That's it. I'm done, bitch. Okay, so Naomi number one, Wonderline. Uh, the book is happens out in somewhere in Oregon, of course, because those two are out there together. She's a girl that lives in a town, and the book opens up kind of like Heroes in Crisis, where people given those those headers where they're like, "Oh man, I, you know those interviews where something happened." And essentially, for 19 seconds, Mongrel and um, Superman have a fight in Oregon. Like, he comes over the town, they destroy something, and then they go out of the town like that quick. And everybody's like, oh, shit, you know, fucking Superman, nothing ever happens in this town. It's whack here, it's boring or whatever. And all these teenagers are, you know, did you see it? Did you catch it on the, you know, recording on your phone? World Star, like, all this types of stuff. And nothing happens in this small town. Naomi didn't get a chance to see it. And she's an adopted girl. And she's in therapy or whatever, and because of her adoption issues, her everybody's like, "Oh, did you see the thing?" And she didn't see it. And her therapist says she has like Superman, com uh, Superman complex, because she doesn't want to be Superman, just has an obsession with the character or whatever. And the whole story is a mystery about you know something's going on in this town. People talking hushes about things that have happened in the past, and you know maybe something happened a long time ago, and then she feels that this is happening it's on some uh, like some beautiful mind type shit where she's got all these notes or whatever trying to figure all this mystery out and as a part of that mystery she meets this guy that works at a uh, like at a mechanic shop or something to that effect he's like hey you lived in this town a long time did something happen he's like you know everybody else doesn't want to talk about it they keep pushing her off They're like yeah something did happen you know 14 years ago or 17 years ago on march the 14th and she's like oh that was the day i was born bum 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 and then cut roll in credits and you know so you know see you an issue too I mean, it was fine enough like i don't really have any real issue with it i don't even i mean i have an issue with a black woman not writing the book but overall i mean the dialogue is good the art is good in the book and there's nothing really wrong with it it's not that it's just you know okay you're writing a book about somebody who eventually obviously will have powers because you're not going to write this book without her and it's just trying to get to that point but yes i that's that basically all I can say about it or whatever. It's just aight. A-I-I-I-I-I-G-H-T. Aight. And that's pretty much Naomi. You know, I don't think any of y'all got a chance to read. Do you get a chance to read that one, Sam, man? No, no. I just, I forgot about it until yeah. you just said it right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it, it was what it was. Like, I, I mean, I don't. I just don't get the, I mean, I get the purpose of the book, and I get the point that they're going to try to make of it. You know, this, again, something that will run like seven to ten issues, maybe a year or whatever, but it is what it is. But, yeah, I just, I was kind of, con not concerned. I was like, really? Yeah, I didn't have, nobody thought about maybe having a black woman write this book? No? All right. All right, that's it. All right, let's get into these Marvel books, y'all, man. It's time to get to the Marvel hacks part of this podcast. Uh, the Immortal Hawk is up. That means we bring Brother Beavis out of the ether uh, from, like, like what? What's DC? <laughs> uh, we bring him out of the ether uh, to have him <laughs> what, leave. What's, that? what's going on? Well, yeah, to leave this DC book. So the Immortal Hawk number 12. Now, this is a book that we've reviewed over probably two seasons. It's reached the uh, year mark, at least in terms of issues. Uh, this is Al Ewan and Joe Bennett. Uh, we've enjoyed this book. It's, it's had some really high highs and then some super filler filler. Uh, this book would probably fall closer into the filler uh, category, but go ahead and recap us, brother. Baby. You want eleven or twelve? Whatever 12. you got. 
Yeah, yeah we were supposed to do 12, but I, I think it seemed okay. like we had to go back to 11 to uh, understand what the hell yeah. was going on in 12. So right. the where we left off, there was uh, Hulk had been captured by the Avengers and carved up into little containers, and he was being tortured, um, studied, and Hulk got over on that group of people by absorbing the lead scientist into his body, probably mm-hmm. fatally. Um, so <laughs> the um, the uh, there was a series a sequence where it looked like probably the same offshoot an offshoot of that organization recruited the absorbing man and there was there was a funny bit in there where they're like you've gone you know you've you're one of Hulk's greatest foes he's like really he's like I've never won he kicks my ass like every time that's funny that's funny so they uh, they give him what appears to be probably the Red Hulk treatment so he becomes the Red Absorbing Man and he uh, has the power to drain Gamma so he and Hulk have a battle Hulk. Uh, for no good reason that he can explain is going back to the the bomb testing ground where he became the Hulk. Um, and it turns out to be a plot by some other power that's compelled uh, the Absorbing Man to open up a portal into, uh, we'll call it hell, whether or not it's the hell or a hell remains yeah. to be seen. Um, but here again, this continues the story of uh, his father who he's been seeing in images, and he Hulk believes his father is manipulated here. They have some flashbacky stuff um, where he's seeing like the, 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 his his dad abusing him and abusing his mom, like potentially killing his mom. I don't know if that was a scene or not. Uh, yeah. Gamma Flight is rushed to the site, and so this uh, this reporter who wants to be the Hulk there, she encounters her dad. And uh, they're you know having relative daddy issues, and then the whole time, like Hulk has, he looks like um, he got the uh, what that the stomach stapling surgery or whatever. Yeah, he's like all <laughs> skin and bones. <laughs> yes, because um, all his like he's he, he he starts losing his gamma to the red absorbing man, but then he re- you know he's like, well, I can still get mad. So he's like all weak looking, but he's still mad. Yeah. So anyway, mm. he looked um, like me. Neil he Gaiman. looks like. It's a, Hold on, he looks like right. me, like when I work out because I can't do legs. It's like, man, I'm all buff on top, but straight up chicken wings on the bottom. But go ahead. So. It's, it, this book is pretty much some Neil Gaiman bullshit because there's this, there's these interspersed black panels where they're talking about the nature of evil and you know, yeah. lightweight telling the story. But it ends up that he's got. It appears that he split Bruce out of Hulk and is potentially trying to i don't know redeem his son in some way i i don't i don't i did not read it close enough to make sense of it uh, yeah. to tell you the truth yeah um at issue 12 there was the, uh, my notes here on there about the, the flashbacks or whatever and about his dad essentially being you know telling the story or whatever from a different location to some some unknown being or whatever and the end of the book is really that there's some you know big green essentially monster or whatever but he's just going through the story and telling about how essentially like why bruce has daddy issues because bruce's dad has daddy issues you know i was never loved i was about to be like this big scientist or whatever and gamma and radiation and then uh he has this dream about the green and he goes and tells people about it but like this nigga is crazy and then he loses <laughs> all of his um he loses like all the respect or whatever for the people that he had, and then he goes home and he's all upset about it. And his wife's like, "Yeah, I'm pregnant," and so he takes out all of his, you know, abuse or whatever on his wife, 
Uh, he clearly has a drinking problem as well. He takes it out on uh, Bruce, little Bruce. And there's a scene in the early part of the book for you people that have children or whatever. There's a little scene early in the book where he's like, um, he comes home, he's been drinking, and he steps on a Lego, and he's like, ah! And I'm like, yeah, there's no greater... There is no greater pain than stepping on a Lego, by the way, on a bare foot. That, like, that will send yes. you. That will send you into a Hulk-like rage for sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I mean, and that's it. And then this reporter who's been in the book since issue number one is still continuing the story about trying to figure out, you know, who's inside the Hulk and you know his multiple personality disorder. You know, it's the devil. You know, his, it's the personality that's that's inside of the 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 Hulk. And she's like, you know, I need to talk to the dude that's in charge. And he's like, ah, hey, hey, how you doing? I'm the devil and shit. Um, so, um, you need to talk to me? He's like, yeah, you know, why the hell are you only, the only one that's in charge right now? And he's like, you know, it, it, it's kind of telling that story. You know, it's a different book. Like, it's, you know, it, we talked about it when we first started reviewing. It was like, you know, Hulk smash, blah, blah, blah. It gets so old and tired after a while. But this book is at least trying to do something different. You know, kind of keeping it in a kind of horror, kind of creep show kind of way. And, you know, kind of discussing the psychological aspects of being the Hulk. Um, so at least it's somewhat interesting in that regard. And that, that line about Crusher Creel or whatever is genius. And, um, you know, because there's really, there are no Hulk really villains because nobody can really defeat him. Because, you know, he can always, essentially, you know, wrestling term Hulk up and you know you can't yeah you can't really beat him so you know that that that's a, a genius line but you know but before the most she part, also goes after him for his green privilege because she's like you yes. did all this and they let you go and you did this yeah and <laughs> what's that like yeah exactly <laughs> I mean it's you know I, I would I prefer this version of Hulk as opposed to Hulk smash version all day every day um, the only way that I would even Think of entertaining any other version of a Hulk as if it, uh, it's the Bruce Banner in charge Hulk, like that he can change in and out of it. That's it. Beyond that, like anything else where they just do the Hulk stories, they're just not entertaining to me. So, yeah, this is, I, I thought this was fine enough. Um, you know, again, not as high as some of the earlier books in this run, but for the most part, I'm thumbs up. Uh, Sam, man, did you get a chance to read that one? Yeah, I read it. I read it. It was, um, I didn't exactly know what was going on, but it, it was, um, it, I see what you're talking about, uh, Beavis, with the uh, Neil Gaiman references, because it it's certainly weird. <laughs> it's it, it does remind me of kind of the old style uh, horror uh, creep show kind of like books and stuff from the the 50s and 60s and stuff like that. It definitely had that kind of artwork uh, that the skinny, weird, like flabby Hulk. Um, and yeah, he's got the big weird. mandible head. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was strange. <laughs> so I was like, eh, not exactly for me, but you know, it's it's got its audience. You know, it's um. I didn't hate it. I didn't exactly love it, but it's um, it, it's certainly different. They're going in a different direction. I certainly don't mind them trying something different with the Hulk. I mean, it's hard to write the Hulk. Let's just face it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's really hard to write the Hulk, and um, they're definitely trying to go in this like kind of horror vibe, uh, suspense kind of uh, book right now, and and that's fine. I'm still curious to see what's where they're going to end up with it, and um, Bruce's daddy issues are, like, uh, legendary. All the Everybody got daddy issues. Everybody yeah. got daddy <laughs> issues in this book. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. Brother Beavis. Everybody. Brother Beavis, you took the lead. Your thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. Like I said, this yeah, was all right. The, only, the big problem for me was, like, we hadn't read it so long, so I had to read, like, four of them yesterday. Yeah, this was, yeah. This is a book that needs to be read. 
So yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, like the imagery is disturbing. It's definitely different. It's um, you know, it's I like you you said it all. Like they've they they have gone to great lengths to tell a different Hulk story because the regular ones are pretty bad. So yeah, bad. more power to this team right yes. now. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Al Ewan for writing this book because um, <laughs> I, I you know I think back sometimes like yo you know what. Even, I mean, side brother topic or whatever, even going back and reading some of those John Byrne stories or whatever back when he was doing the book and, you know, where they did the separation of, you know, from the Hulk from them or whatever. It's like, I go back and read those books. And it's like, man, the art is incredible because John Byrne is John Byrne or whatever. But the story in and of itself, yeah, I'm not so sure about <laughs> this. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all right. It, man, again, I, I'm thumbs up on it, but you're right. You, we, it's something that we have to review. Like, it's... This book needs to be like a Netflix series. Like, it need to come out like all the episodes at once so you can read them all in one sitting. Because you take a yeah. month off or two, and then you're like, what the fuck just happened here? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> so I get it. All right. Let's take it out to Space Brother Beavis. We got the Guardians of the Galaxy number one. I told you you have to take lead on this because I know more about Shazam than I do about the Guardians of the Galaxy in comic books. Because <laughs> um, that's not a lot. Uh, and I, I was, I, th- I didn't send it to y'all, but I was, I was, as I was reading the book, I was like, man, let me go read some of these wiki recaps because, uh, <laughs> damn, I don't know what the fuck's going on in this book. What <laughs> is that nigga? But why is Ghost Rider in space? Uh, because I have no freaking idea. Uh, so yeah, Guardians, <laughs> yeah. Guardians number one. And just before you get started, uh, Star Fox was my jam back in the eighties, man. That was my dude. I don't know why. His powers <laughs> were kind of nebulous. He could fly. He had red hair. Y'all know I like redheads, usually girls though. And um, I don't know, but Star Fox was my dude. And the fact that he, uh, he's Thanos' his brother, I don't know when they retcon that shit. But whatever, go no, ahead. They're, they're both <laughs> titans of a turn. They're they're that's legit. I ain't yeah. no. Thanos is the Thanos is the mutant of Titans. Yeah, that's yeah. he's different from everybody else. Noted. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. So this picks up apparently, and that I had to do some research on this as well. There was a recent Infinity War, which was um, I, after I read the recap for it, I was like, man, I never need to see that because the big <laughs> the big uh, the big thing about it was like everyone had merged with somebody else. And so it was like almost a, an in-house amalgam crossover. And, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, don't mm. need to do that. Yeah. Um, so Thanos got beheaded by Gamera, who was evil in that story. And so this is basically almost like a funeral setting where you see the Star Jammers and uh, the Kree Imperial Guard and some of the old uh, original Guardians of the Galaxy Dark Hawk is here for some reason. Yeah, yeah, Ghost Rider and Beta Ray Bill, Beta Ray Bill yeah. Silver mm-hmm. Surfer. Yeah. So a lot of the cosmic uh, cosmic people, and uh, so the, the Star Fox plays a, a tape from Thanos who reveals that uh, he is not going to be killed by anybody, and he has made arrangements that if his body is killed, then he will basically re-manifest in somebody else. So there's another Thanos coming, and so Star Fox tells everybody like um i know you guys are all up for dirty jobs that's why you're here we need to figure out who it is and kill them and if we can't do it we just need to start killing people anyway so then we (laughs) cut to uh uh peter quill and seems like teenage groot um and groot talks now apparently 
Uh, he just, like he just refers to himself as third person, but that's about it. Um, but anyway, uh, the the next thing that happens is that the uh, those people from the movie, what's their name? Uh, they Black Thanos Order. Generals. Yeah, the Black Order Black shows Order. up. Right. And uh, there's a scrap, and Beta Ray Bill and and Silver Surfer basically take the lead uh, with a bunch of other people fighting. Uh, Peter Quill and Groot are trying to find nowhere, but they can't. But they run into the Nova Corps. The Nova Corps gets gets uh, alerted to go to this fight, and the Black Order wins. They rip a hole in space and basically stick everybody through it. Uh, so they get Thanos and they scatter everybody else across time. Um, and there's a few survivors, which are, I believe, Beta Ray Bill, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Moon Dragon. And Philavel, who was a version of Quasar, um, right around the time where the new original Guardians relaunched, whatever, you know. So they get <laughs> on the ship. Uh, the Nova Corps wants to take control, and Star Lord's like, no, this is my crew now, and it's the new Guardians of the Galaxy. So, yeah, yeah there it is. Uh, and yeah, Ghost Rider in Space is Frank Castle. Um, yeah, yeah. He's the Punisher. That was another Elseworld story where uh, he was like one of the last people fighting Thanos as the world was coming to an end. And then he made a deal with Galactus. And then he found baby Thanos. And yeah, it goes from there. So so I think that... um, What do I think about this story? Um, (laughs) I think it's part one of six. So that's probably a good thing. Yes. Um... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. I I think yeah. the, the the part I struggle with is Star Lord, kind of sucks, and to <laughs> him as the leader or the lead figure of of all these people is like, I mean, that's a stretch. I mean, he's essentially Thor, uh, Moon Dragon, Quasar with the you know power of the Nega Bands and Ghost Rider, and they and then they they team up with Groot. And Star Lord, that's charitable of them to do that. I yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, Groot looks bad compared to these guys, and you know, they Star Lord. What's he got? Two guns and, and a ship. Yeah. yeah, those are his powers. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And if you read like his Marvel card, it would be like, and he has the power to stu- to touch an Infinity Stone. Can he use it? <laughs> eh, not really. No, he not can really. touch it. <laughs> okay. Really. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I did. I mean, and again, uh, as uh, as we said last week, last week we were like, well, we're super positive about books. I think this week we're probably more thumbs in the middle, but not like crazy down on anything. I mean, the book was fine enough, and in my humble estimation, you know, again, I don't know that much about it or whatever. I did have some notes though, as always. Um, but I think my biggest note was. Um, yeah, everybody's like Gamora is now evil. She, like, does she have the stones? Rocket is nowhere to be found. They don't talk about Rocket. Drax is dead. And I was like, oh, so they're like completely trying to not have this version or whatever that from the movie or whatever. And then my other part of my note was like, okay, so we're gonna have this whole ass, you know, would you kill baby Hitler debate, you know, just with like, you know, uh, aliens, you know, like oh, we gotta kill baby Hitler. Oh, Baby didn't do well, ironically, was... Cosmic Ghost Rider already had that opportunity and declined. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So they believe just, that it Go- was tough for me to read 
a, a book like this from a, a company who made such a big deal about um, bringing all the dimensions down together and making mm. things easier and having a core universe. Because I guess on the one hand, it enables stories like this where you have all these all these characters from different realities now come together. But if you're yeah. still going to allow just these rips across time and space and dimensions, it's like you're just going to end up back in trouble again. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And their their thing is is that you know they think he's transferred his whatever into Gamora, and um, I thought his mother note in here is like, why they got the Silver Surfer looking like Iceman? Um, and the yeah. mother note is like, oh yeah, Beta. My mother note says Beta Beta Bill has always been awesome. Yeah, I don't know how he hasn't made it into a Thor movie yet. I wonder if there's a rights issue. Yeah, because he should have I'm made sure some true. version of an appearance. I, and I think I, I think he's carved into like one of the figures in um, Ragnarok, as uh, before the battle, whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's. I think his face is carved into one of those in Ragnarok. But he's right. very. He was right in. Awesome. Uh, he was in the animated World War Hulk because I don't yeah. think they had the. They don't have. They didn't have Silver Surfer, so Beta Ray mm-hmm. Bill took his place. That's a yeah. good movie, though. Yeah. 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 It has its moments. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, so, so for, that's for it. classic Guardians fans, Major Victory does appear. Well, not Major Victory. <laughs> I guess that was, what was his name. Vance Astro. I think Major Victory was once he got out of the costume. But he's got his classic adamantian skin-protecting costume and, and Captain nice. America shield. So there is a throwback to right. the original Guardians team. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I think about this and it's like, whatever, if somebody wanted to, like, oh, I saw the Guardians of the Galaxy movie or whatever, I'm going to, like, pick up this book. You would open this shit and be like, where's the fucking raccoon? Um, because, really, that's the reason that people want to do it and see it. And then there's really, like, only a couple of characters you would recognize from it. So, I'm kind of curious. That you, the, you know, the Guardians got a big push here when the first movie came out. And then people realized, you know what, maybe they're not that great. And um, yeah. maybe we're not going to push right. this anymore. So I think they've been pushed, you know, further back into the, into the, you know, in terms of teams or whatever. They've been pushed down the ladder a little bit um, until the next Guardian movie comes out. Then they'll get another push. But I just, I don't know. I didn't hate it. It was, you know, cosmic, whatever. I'm, I'm a solid thumbs in the middle. Uh, really, BBG with the lead. Up, down, or yeah, in the I mean, middle. if it's a six-part story, if it's a six-part story and it amounts to something, that's fine. Um, yeah. uh, it's a lot of gobbledygook at this point, <laughs> and it just—it's—it's it's yeah. a whole book to get to the point where you have these six or seven people is the is a team that's setting out to do right. something. So uh, we'll see. Sad man, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Um, I'm kind of in the middle on this one. I mean, I am. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for Beta Ray Bill, so I'll at least look at any book that he's in. Uh, I really like the character because I'm, and he's basically, um, like you said before, he's basically Thor in the first place, mm-hmm. and I'm a Thor fan. But um, yeah, the whole—I don't know why anybody would listen to Peter Quill. <laughs> I, I really don't. Uh, <laughs> we've already kind of gone, gone into. You got all these cosmic beings, and he—he's the leader. Uh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. But I you forgot know, there is a there is a post credit sequence on this. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say we didn't spoil it. I don't know we if didn't we spoiled it or not because it did. Yeah, it did just come out. Um, uh, yeah, and I have more yeah. questions let's, about it, but yeah, I, I don't know if we want to. Yeah, spoil it yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not spoil it. So if you're thinking about reading Guardians One, um, we're giving you like a recommendation to go and read it or whatever. So we won't spoil it. If we were thumbs down on it, we would fucking tell you about it. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'm a, like, yeah. No, it is, yeah. 
Yeah, at the end of that shit was some bullshit too. Um, but yeah, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm half on it. I give it like I give it like a sixty to seventy percent interest for me, so it's pretty much nice. in the middle. Kind of, kind of okay. going up. Yeah, I get you. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, we always, not always, we try to end on an X book. Uh, we, if you listen to last week's show, um, you know that next week. The X Men reboot again with issue eleven uh, at eight dollars. Uh, <laughs> we Jesus don't know what Christ. we're gonna do about that yet. Really? Yeah, we don't know what we're doing about that yet. I, I I may be exaggerating that a little bit, but I know it's not the standard three ninety nine er. Um, so uh, we, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast long enough, you know that we do not do annuals. Uh, annuals tend to suck. Uh, they don't take They're the regular writer. They get, uh, you know, shout out to shout out to Dale Saunders. We got to use his real name here. They use Dale as the artist on these books. <laughs> oh, damn. Dale as the artist. And, I mean, they uh, annuals typically are just god awful. And I would actually like to read or hear the history of annuals as to why they were a thing and when was the turning point where they were like, man, let's just put some shit in this fucking book and just get it out there and. Um, <laughs> So we tend to not do it because they're just bad and they don't make any sense. So as I was combing through the books for this week, I was like, oh, okay, well, we got this book, this book, this book. And then I saw X-Men, Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 1. I was like, well, that's a no. But then I read it, and I was like, oh, damn. And based off of what happened in Uncanny X-Men 10 the previous week that we reviewed, so I was like, all right, fellas, we're going to have to review an annual, uh, X-Men, Uncanny X-Men annual number one. And because it's essentially the return of Cyclops and how they brought him back to the mainstream Marvel line. And the text I think I sent to y'all was, hey, I actually enjoyed this. And the reason that I enjoyed it is that um, the evil word of continuity, they actually used it. And it made sense. <laughs> They paid attention to it. They played the story out in a way that it actually made sense. And bada bing, bada boom, we have Cyclops back. So Uncanny X-Men number one, here lies Cyclops, uh, or Scott Summers. Uh, you see it on his tombstone. There's a big, it looks like an optic glass or whatever. And you go to the grave or whatever after it's blown up, and then you see it's empty. But bum, 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 it's really not as you see him crawl out of there. And then we just get these flashbacks. But this is a beautifully drawn book, too, by the way. I didn't write the artist down. Um, did y'all read that X-Men book? If we never reviewed it on here, we probably should have. It was that X. It was an X-Men classic. I can't remember what the shit was called now. But it was like an X-Men book, and it was drawn on like this old, like, schooly style. It was telling stories, like, recently, not like an old book. But it was telling, like, stories of, like, kind of in-between X-Men stories that you've known about. Oh, God, I can't remember the name of it now. Um hmm. But it was I remember that, the you know, Spider-Man one. Yeah, it was the Untold so, Tales of Spider-Man. That was great. Yeah, yeah, this was a new this was a new one that came out last year sometime where they were telling these little stories that are kind of in between, and they were recapping like major stories and X-Men things, but really, really quickly. Well, like as the, oh, the art. Oh, I remember. I think I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So and they were kind of okay. It was like good. anthology or something like that. Yeah, it was, it, like it was that. designed for people to be able to have some idea of what the fuck was going on in these books. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Because and and it's complicated yeah. as shit. Complicated right. as shit. Uh, speaking of which, I don't know if y'all know this or not. When y'all go to the local grocery store, you know when you get to check out or whatever, and you know you see them Archie Double Digest and shit that be sitting there. Um, <laughs> 
they do that for Marvel now. They have like Marvel Double Digest and dark, you know, like they have stories like Bound and like a Archie, you know, like the Archie books are Bound right. and those little tiny Digest books. They have them for Marvel. Ones, yeah. But anyway, yeah. But anyway, um, well, so yes, we're side brethren in the grocery store. I was at Target and they have a <laughs> uh, monster cereal yeah. board game. Wait, what now? And yes, they have a monster, monster cereal, cereal board, board game. game. And yes, it does have the fruit brute and the yummy mummy. <laughs> those are the, okay, those are the outskirts too. <laughs> Since we're side brethren, how the hell did you not send a picture of this? Uh, and you will be getting a, 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 you will be getting a, a letter in your file because what the hell is wrong with you? What in the world? Why the hell? Jeez, Louise, what the hell is wrong with you? All right. Anyway. <laughs> There's a flashback to Massachusetts as Scott Summers is pimp walking through uh, Massachusetts and there's a robot attack and it's a whack dude that looks like Xavier that has like a version that looks like Cerebro on his fucking head and he yeah, attacks the, the city. Yeah. yeah, I did too. And he, you know, Scott defeats him fairly easily and his robot, he saves the city. There was a kid there. His name is Paul. He was like, oh man, you saved my life. I got a kid coming on the way. And, you know, a wife and a kid coming, you know, thanks for doing everything for me. You know, if I could ever repay you, whatever. So, 10 years later, bum, 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 this dude's in his house and his wife is in the sleep and baby, whatever. Uh, just for you non or you married folks or whatever, uh, that's how that works. If you're not married yet and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a baby or whatever. And I'm going to just, you know, my wife's going to be doing stuff. No, no uh, get up. The baby needs to be fed. Um, get up. Get shit out the refrigerator. Get up. I need to get some water. Get, yeah. Don't think you're going to get off away from this shit. Just to let you know. If you think that's just going to be like, oh, you know, we're going to split the duties. No, that's an 80-20. All right. Anyway, um, so uh, he thanks him so much. And Cable, the young version of Cable that we saw in Extermination that killed the older version of Cable, body size into this dude's house. And he's like, yeah, this is a Phoenix cage. Uh, it happened when the X-Men fought the Avengers. Uh, I need you to make it into a much smaller version. I'm going to give you two years. All right. Make this shit. And I'm out. Peace. And he body slides out and he leaves. And he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And, you know, so you get these flashbacks to, to, to the times when Scott died. You know, you get to the time where he died from the Terrigen Mist. You get the time where he died from the uh, the Phoenix End song or whatever, which we reviewed on this podcast, by the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he does build this device that he sticks into to Cyclops. And this is the thing that brings him back to life. Um and Cyclops is back. You know, um, y'all read this. Anything that I'm missing up to this point, or your thoughts on the book through that part of it so far? Uh, they, um, yeah, you pretty much got for the, the most of it. It's, um, I actually liked this, believe it or not, uh, for an annual. Yeah, no, this I'm is surprised. good. I know, I um, know. Um, I mean, it's pretty cut, clear and cut. What they did, okay. Young Cable went to the past, you know, and uh, they got this dude that Cyclops saved his life in uh, the past uh, um, uh, sequence they show when Cyclops is still young. They do it in this little dot matrix type um, uh, yeah. color, so it makes you realize, mm-hmm. yeah, this is in the past. This is what happened, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, anyway, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they go back to the guy. They show him, like, when he's older and Cable comes back, and he's made the device. He doesn't know if it's going to work. And he's like, yeah, yeah, in theory, this is going to work. I have no way of testing it because, yeah, obviously, he needs the Phoenix Force power to uh, uh, test it properly. And it brings Cyclops back. And um, and he's obviously confused. And, and uh, Young Cable, you know, wants to 
um, um, cool him in on what's going on is like, hey, well, hey, why did you do this if you're so concerned about the uh, timeline being all fucked up, which is a good fucking question, because mm-hmm. he pretty much just did the same thing, and he's and he basically was like, well, it's bullshit. You're my father, and it was bullshit that you died from a damn uh, inhuman um, um, what is it? Uh, mist. Disease or whatever the hell the shit. The mist. mist. Yeah, yeah the Terrorism mist. mist. Which that is a mist, fucked up uh, way to die. <laughs> Good, by yeah. the way. And yeah, and that whole thing. I mean, we all know why they're doing this. It's because Cyclops, they fucked him over for. This has been a downward spiral for the last, what, 10, a 15, decade. 20 years? A decade yeah. or more. And they've been just made him into this fucking villain. And, and I don't know what they were thinking. Like, they're going to have him kill Xavier. Yeah, and, and they just. I don't know what they were thinking with Cyclops. They just. Courting him off, and they tried, and then they killed him off, made him almost irredeemable. Well, not almost, irredeemable. Period. And <laughs> they had to fix him, and that's basically what this is. This is an attempt to throw back and get him back in the, the good graces of um, of us, basically. You know, uh, kind of redeem himself, and he does kind of uh, go into that at the end, where like, yeah, I, I fucked up bad. He actually says it, you know, and so they're trying to redeem him, and. I I liked it. I was surprised. I was very much yeah. surprised. Yeah. You know, we get Cable to do the Scooby Doo explanation on why he was brought back. Uh, you're like, well, you know, this is why, and you're here, and the fact that he brings him back, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna need you to stay in this like freaking cage here or whatever. No, I can't let you out. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but I need to see Gene. Like, man, I don't know about all that. Well, you're gonna have to stay here. You know, because of hostage. <laughs> conjugal. Um, there's no conjugal visits in my cable yeah. house. Yeah, exactly. He's like, man, once people see you, things are gonna get really bad. Probably. So, like, he lives there. They do drop this thing in there. That was like, well, you know, one. You know whose body was that that they actually buried or whatever, and that was just like one of Emma's tricks. And then two, right. you know, like they he now he doesn't imply it. He overtly stays that you know, like, well, Emma like fucked up his brain, and that's why he was doing all yeah. this stuff. It wasn't like the real, he wasn't himself because Emma, you know, that nutsy like turned him crazy. Yeah, I didn't feel and, like they, I did, didn't feel like they left him completely off the hook or took him completely off the hook, and I don't think he takes himself off the hook, which uh, which yeah. I appreciate. Like they didn't say he was mind, well, he was manipulated, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah he had some culpability in it. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Like, oh, uh, real about quick, Emma. we're gonna talk about how Emma put that shit on him, but whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real quick. Uh, the, the, the <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, the mm-hmm. it's funny. The villain in this that uh, Cyclops saves the guy in the past, and then dude gets out of jail. Is like the the guard at the at the jail is like, all right. I hope you learned something from this. And dude goes right to his house, gets his robots again, goes right back to try to kill the dude again. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, for real? Yeah, <laughs> with his fleet of robots, and and, and yeah. one panel gets defeated. By the way, I just—it's I, yeah. stupid. I just thought that was really fucking funny. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The American prison system. The American, the American prison system in two panels. By the way, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. His name was Tavin. Yes, he goes back to his house. Uh, he looks for yeah, he, like he and he comes back and tries to defeat the people with the exact same weapons that he had. Like when everyone took a joint. <laughs> It's like you didn't do anything, man. Take that cerebro off your head, man. It, it just it, it, it didn't work out. It didn't work out for him. Yeah, I mean, but the, you know what though? When you haven't wrestled with other people in ten years, I mean, you need a jobber 
to get over. So, I mean, you know, like he's going to have him defeat somebody that was important. You need somebody that, you know, to get a quick pinfall on. And, uh, I mean, it's not like they're going to roll out a powerhouse like Mysterio for him to take down. Yeah, hey, 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 sir. You know what? Stop. Stop. Yeah, I was, but, when they saw it, when I saw his helmet and stuff, I'm like, is this some weird, like you guys said, is this some weird Xavier thing? Is this like alternate yeah. history or whatever? But yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, I, I think that it was very, uh, because comics way of bringing him back, um, mm, well, really it's because Cable, which, you know, you can do any story you want if you have Cable. But, you know, they it, it is him. He's the guy who did all these things. He acknowledges it. And then he's given the hero's choice that is largely set up by Cable, and he goes back to save this one guy that he can make a difference on. I think the sequence in the beginning where... You know, this old school style of comic book is, is really classic Cyclops, like, you know, his thought process and, you know, I got I got to distract him, I got to get over here. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's some classic Cyclops moments in this and, you know, it's it, it could have gone worse. It, it could have they yeah. could have brought him back worse, I could say. Yeah, absolutely. And I and, you know, kind of looking forward or whatever to this book that we're going to have to review next week. You know, the idea of bringing Psychos back, you know, you do need thought boxes or whatever because he's constantly inside of his head and we need to know what he's thinking because mm-hmm. that's just kind of the a ca- character that they established for 30 years before they fucked him over in the last 10. You know, like, so I, I thought the book made complete and perfect sense. Um, I, I Bringing him back was a, a perfectly fine way to do it. He should have been back. He should have never been turned into whatever the hell he was turned into for the past 10 years. He's been gone, I think, dead for two plus years now. Like, this made perfect sense. Like, I, so I said, I read it and I was just like, oh, shit, we're going to have to add an animal to this list. Because this book actually makes sense. It tied into the continuity of the Uncanny books from before with the battle of X, with X-Man and uh, freaking... Uh, uh, the story that they had told one before, the No More Mutants or whatever thing, it tied into there and how he's going to, and you know, Cyclops is going to look for the X-Men and try to find them. You know, it tied into the issue of issue 10. Continuity. Oh, my God. Like, the books are tied together. Like, they're not just freaking these separate things that you're doing with different people. Like, this makes sense. Like, I, I don't understand how this is difficult for them when we who have read these things and make no money from it can figure this out that like oh well when you make the books make sense and they're tied in together it all makes more sense for everybody that's trying to read it like i know y'all want to get new readers in or whatever and that makes sense but there's a bet there's a way to i don't know how to explain this there's a way to be able to con- to keep the people that have been reading this shit for 30 plus years and bring in new people without like pissing off both and yeah I, it's not an either I don't, or. yeah exactly it's and it's not and you can't and there is there has to be a way to do that because you can't you can't keep pushing off the people that are old enough to afford and buy these books trying to get people that are young enough and who can't afford to buy the books and the people that can't afford to buy it are being brought to the comic book store by people that can't afford to buy the books and it's like man I ain't buying that bullshit you better go read that shit I ain't buying that this is <laughs> terrible I'm not buying this new crap you better go read these old books and you can figure it out. And I know that sounds awful exclusionary and, and gatekeeping. Like, I get that, how that sounds from for me or us or whatever. But I think there has to be some version of a happy medium there. Like, it just has to be. Where, you know, the books have to make sense to something. Like, you just can't just base it on, like, hey, every time we're going to do this, we're going to relaunch and, and start number ones, which is what they've been doing. Like, oh, okay, well, we're going to just restart the book. Fine. 
You know, like if somebody that's into the X-Men is going to pick up number 11 next week, they're not going to understand anything because they haven't read one through nine or whatever. They're just not. It's not going to make any sense. Yeah. And then this book is referencing, you know, Avengers versus X-Men. That happened like seven years ago. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I just, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever. I did have a joke in here, Brother Beavis, for you uh, that said, like, uh, Cyclops is your boy because he was like, man, I can't go to no beaches. Uh, that's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That's son, son. That's son, son. <laughs> man, I can't remember no beast. Fuck that. Now he's dressed in a full ass costume covering no, and there's literally no skin to be put on his face except for his nose and his mouth. He was like, nah, fuck man, I can do that shit. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, man. No more beaches for me. Nah, no more beaches for me. <laughs> yeah, he was done. All right, that's it. All right, so that can lose X Men. So, MK X Men, I think we're all thumbs up on this, Brother Beavers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sandmage. Yeah, I liked it. It uh, actually made sense. I like it. Okay, so uh, we're going to have to review X Men, Uncanny X Men next week. And again, I got ganked into that first one, and I'm going to get ganked into this one, too. Uh, like, I, I, I went and bought a physical, a physical copy of a comic book. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm down like four flat tires. I'm going to buy this shit. I went out and I bought it. <laughs> and that number one was not great, to say the least. And now I'm going to have to rebuy this one, you know, and it seems like, and again, I could be off, it seems like they're going to come back with a fairly classic team, you know, looking at the artwork or whatever. Okay. I mean, we've fallen for this three times over the course of just doing Brothers Comics where these relaunches these X-Men books. So hopefully this one is the one that sticks, but I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Whatever. No, that's it. All right. So that was a large group of books today. Um... Yeah, anything. Yeah, that's it. Basically, yeah, that's it. This large group of books. Yeah. Um, anything that stuck out to you in particular, either of you? Um, yeah, I was just surprised how much I liked the annual. I mean, we already said it. Um, I was yeah. Just and just to uh, go over what you just said, it if you um, stay within your own rules, you know, have continuity. There's the, that word again, continuity, and uh, yeah. that will bring back. People that have been with the books for a long time. I mean, you know, I, I appreciated that. You know, that oh, they're going to actually follow up on shit that happened seven years ago, almost ten years ago, in some of these books. They're going to bring it back around now. So instead of just going off on another tangent and some bullshit that nobody cares about, new oral, uh, they're trying to uh, actually make a story about it. You know, <clears throat> uh, wrap up some of these yeah. storylines again. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it just—it just makes sense that it just makes sense that yeah, you could tell that story, and again, it was something that from reading old comic books, like yeah, okay, this story was referenced in these particular books, but you recap it in like a couple of panels, and you tell us what happened, and then now I know what happened. Okay, do I need to go read the whole books if I want to? Yes, but I don't have to. Now I know what happened. So, anything stick out to you yeah. uh, in books tonight, brother Beavis? I think that. Um I think the fact that they're actually referencing some of these, you know, big event stories and trying to, you know, in a sense show that there is some significance to them because other than making money, if that's yeah. what they do, because, you know, they're, 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 you know, trying to show that maybe, you know, I don't, I won't say that I think it's likely that there was a method to the madness and this was the plan all along, but to actually yeah. go back and try and pull a thread through and say, no, there's you know this may or may not have been the case but this does all fit together 
and we're not just starting over even though we really are right there is still value in all these things we've done in the last several years yeah that's a that's a that's a step in the right direction yeah at some point you got to make people care about the shit that came before it at some point if you're going to do war of the realms if you're going to do avengers versus x-men if you're going to do these stories you have to make them have some version of significance that people can go back to it if you're just kind of like like oh yeah we did this event and it didn't mean anything then what's the point of reading the events that's kind of how i use when i think all of us a little bit feel about war of the realms it's like well you know is there anything of significance going to happen here that's going to have ramifications for anything that happens a year from there? And if the answer is no, then why are you doing the freaking crossover? So, yeah, yeah. whatever. All right. That's the old man version of the podcast. Hello. We are old. Thank you. Uh, we'll start to wrap up here. Uh, remember, you better find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you'll be able to find me, the producer, at Brothers Comics on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Brothers Comics. You can find the Sandman at Sandman415 on Facebook, on the Twitters, excuse me. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Uh, looking ahead, um, about a month from now, I have uh, Comic Con Revolution in West Palm Beach. Uh, just got my uh, media badge for that. Uh, that will be exciting. Uh, Chris Claremont's going to be there. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go and get into that panel. Uh, it'll be fun and interesting. Ready and I'll record it. Yeah, I'll be ready for some stories. My my ultimate goal is to try to to one on one him. Uh, that's that's my goal. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but that is my goal is to try to get one on one with with with, uh, with Claremont. We'll see how that goes. Uh, that, that's a you know that's a I have my picture with him. I think Sam and that guy's picture in Orlando a couple of years ago. And, you know that was yep. pretty awesome in and of itself. But we're gonna try to I'm gonna try to you know kind of one on one and see if I can get that done. But yeah. We have that one coming up, and then pushing way far ahead, uh, May is MegaCon uh, in Orlando, so that's a that's a big one coming up here soon enough. So, all right, thanks, fellas. Uh, recorded Saturday night. If it feels like there's a different energy on the podcast tonight, people, it's because we're recording on Saturday night, not Thursday night after long hours of work, uh, and we're not tired as fuck. So, if there feels like there's a different energy here, that's because we recorded at a completely different time. It's a little so. early too. It's like a blue plate but, uh, podcast. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, we usually do it pretty late. Yeah, yeah, usually pretty late, man. When we started this podcast, the sun was kind of up, so uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so again, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you again, uh, question seekers and senders. Uh, we really appreciate you and that you listen to our opinions. Uh, shout out to Clem Lewis for the review that you sent about the snark of our podcast. Uh, it, it came back a little bit tonight. It's not as bad as normal, but it did come back a little bit tonight. And uh, that's it. So, as the producer of this podcast, I'm signing off. Uh, Sandman, go ahead and sign off. All right, people. Uh, sign off. And until next week, as we can actually say that now. So, see you then. Yes, we can. Yes. And the X-Men, the animated movie, music is playing. So, Brother Beavis, go ahead and sign off. All right. See you guys next week. We'll see you next week. We are on a regular schedule, y'all. Peace. Take it easy. Peace.